Hey guys, thanks for joining us today. One of the things that energizes our teams the most is being able to hear stories of lives that are impacted by this ministry. We would love for you to share your story with us by emailing it to stories at newcommunity.co or maybe your next step to getting connected to what God is doing in this ministry is partnering with us financially. You can do that online at www.newcommunity.co or through the PushPay app and find the giving option that works best for you. Thanks so much for tuning in and enjoy today's message. Well, good morning, NCC. I am so excited that you're here as we kick off this brand new series called Soundtrack. And if you're our guest here this morning, maybe it's your first time to New Community Church, or maybe it's your first time to church in general, I want to welcome you and let you know that we're excited to have you here Um, And before we jump into the message, we're going to spend the next few moments talking about God's Word and see what it has to say to us this morning. Um, I want to introduce myself. My name is Aaron, and I am the lead pastor here at New Community Church, and I'm glad you're with us. We are a church that's passionate about making people and places new, and this is going to be good as we look at God's Word this morning. And um, we're going to be going through some of the books in the Bible that are known as wisdom books. Okay, so it's a series of books, and these books contain some of the most powerful lyrics ever written. And these are songs. These were the current hits of their day, okay? So we're going to look back thousands of years and see the songs that they were singing and see what they meant to them and what God wants to say to us through some of these powerful lyrics, how God wants to challenge our life. And so the next few weeks are going to be great. You're not going to want to miss out on that as we look at God's Word and see how God wants to encourage us Um, in this idea. And we're looking at ways that we can take this beyond the Sunday morning every single week. And so as we were looking at this series, we thought, how do we keep the different topics, some of the songs that we're going to be talking about, and some of the themes that God wants to speak to us through these songs, how do we keep them in front of us? And one of the ways that we're going to do that is through a simple playlist. So this week, we're going to be talking about this idea of how do we wrestle with pain and suffering? And what do we do when we go through difficult times and we face adversity? And so there's a simple way you can do that. You can go out on Spotify and search um, NC underscore church or on iTunes. We'll have the links on social media. We didn't want to just put them up there, but go on um, our social media and you can click on the iTunes links. These are just songs that talk about this, wrestling through pain and going through difficulty and finding victory even in the midst of dark times inside of our life. And so our, our prayer is that as you listen to these, it keeps what God has said this Sunday morning in front of you all throughout the week. So maybe you're on the way to work, maybe you're working out or you're doing some household chores and you can turn that on and just remind yourself what God has said to us this week um, as we look at this idea of walking through pain and suffering with some of these powerful lyrics from scripture. Now, it was probably about five or six years ago, and um, I'm in my early 30s, and we were serving at a different church, and the other church we were at had a leadership school. And we ended every year at the leadership school by um, kind of having this end of the year celebration with these college students that were um, studying for the ministry. And so I remember we were at this friend's house, and you know, almost 100 people there, and we're barbecuing, people are playing games. And so I walk over to the basketball court. And I get in this pickup game of basketball. Now, I loved basketball in high school, but I really haven't played for, you know, at that point, probably hadn't played for over a decade consistently. Um, But I thought, you know what, I'm going to play in this pickup game. And I started doing pretty good. 
And I can remember we're in the middle of this game, and they had the, the goal lowered down to about nine and a half feet, okay? And right now, that's my sweet spot. I can't do 10 feet anymore, but nine and a half feet, you guys, I can still dunk a basketball on a nine and a half foot goal. And one of my friends, um, he had blocked the shot um, of someone, and we get the ball back, and I'm driving to the basketball. And Colby, this guy who's a little bit taller than me, he's standing right there, and I think there is no way he's going to block this shot. And I go up, you guys. And I'm LeBron James in this moment. I felt like I was the king. I go up over him. I slam dunk the ball. And man, I'm just on top of the world in that moment. The ball goes down and gravity starts to take hold. And I start to make my way down. And all of a sudden, I feel something jerk on my hand. And my thumb got caught in the net. And my entire weight is coming down. And I feel this excruciating pain. I feel this pop in my, in my thumb muscles right there. I fall to the ground. I don't land on my feet, but I just kind of crumble to the ground. I get up. There's blood on my elbow, blood on my knee, and there's this throbbing pain. And all as I wanted in that moment was, did I make the shot? Did the ball go in? Did I dunk over Colby? And, and they assured me, yes, it went in. But after like a few seconds, I can't handle it anymore. And so I go over to Sarah She's yelling at me, you're not 20-something anymore. You're a 30-year-old man. What are you doing? And I had to go into the ER, and they had to put my hand in a splint. And it's still, you guys, I'm talking, this is six or seven years. I can still, when the weather's right, I can feel the pain in this thumb. Some of you guys may have those injuries. And every time I feel that, I think back, why did I make that decision? Like, why did I think in that moment that it was going to turn out okay? And, and kind of that pride in my life that I, I just wanted to slam dunk the ball again um, as a 30-something. And, and I think about that so many times because all of us face pain in our life. There's not a person that has walked on this earth that hasn't experienced pain in some way. Now, if we're honest with each other, some of the pain that we experience is like what I experience. We cause it ourselves. You and I, we make bad decisions in our life. We make choices that ultimately lead to difficult situations where we wind up hurting ourselves or where we wind up hurting others. For some of you in this room, maybe you felt like it was your fault, but it wasn't. Someone else has done something to wrong you. Someone else betrayed you. Someone else said something in your life that hurt you in a deep way. And the pain that you're experiencing isn't from a choice that you made. It's from something that someone else did to you. And others of you in this room, you, you've experienced pain, but it's not because of sin in your life. It's not because of sin in anyone else's, any person in particular. It's that our world is broken. And because of the brokenness, because sin originated all the way back in the garden in the perfect world that God created, because we allowed death to enter in the world, it's not one person's sin that's hurting you. It's kind of like the sin of all mankind. And we see brokenness and we ask questions as people, how do we walk through pain? Because like I said, all of us have experienced it. The pain and the shame and the guilt for decisions that we've made from addictions that we've allowed in our life, poor decisions, temptations, where we've allowed sin to take over our life. And it's physically hurt us or it's hurt other people. Those of you who didn't choose it, but you've stood beside the casket of someone you love, and you've cried tears because you're asking God, why were they taken at such a young age? Those of you that experienced betrayal and you stood at one point in front of an altar and committed the rest of your life to this person, but it winds up in divorce and you've signed those papers. Maybe it, maybe it was decisions you made. Maybe it was decisions the other person made, but you feel that betrayal on a deep level. You can't 
walk in this world without going through pain, you guys. You can't walk on this earth without experiencing hurt in your life. It's something that we all face. And so this message, this idea this morning that God wants to talk to us, these powerful lyrics that we see in the Bible, they're not just for a small group of people. They're for everyone because you may be in it right now. You may be in the midst of that hurt, in the midst of that suffering, and the pain hasn't gone away. It may be something that you've experienced this past year, and now you've walked past it, or it may be something you're about to go through. And because all of us experience this, I want to challenge you. You need to listen to this, these words of wisdom, this powerful lyric, lyrics from the Bible that challenge us, and how do we address this issue of pain in our life? So if you have your Bibles this morning, I want you to turn to the book of Job. And we're going to look at this idea of pain and look at how Job faces it and what we see in God's word as we address this issue of pain. So Job chapter 1, we're going to start reading at verse 20. If you don't have a Bible, uh, maybe you don't own one, you didn't bring one, there's a Bible in the seat in front of you. And you can turn to page 237 and follow along with us as we read through the story of Job. Now, we're going to cover all 42 chapters. And so we're going to hit different sections and kind of look at the highlights of Job's life. And so I want to catch you up at where we are at in verse 20, okay? Because we don't have time to read those 20 verses. I'll quickly give you an idea. Job was a righteous man. And Job's main purpose as we look at his life is he had this deep desire to be in a right relationship with God. And we see things that he does in order to maintain and even for his family to keep his life in a right relationship with God. One day Satan goes before God. And God says, hey, have you, where have you been? Satan's like, I have been walking around the earth. And he says, have you seen my servant Job? And Satan's like, yeah, I've seen him. And God said, he's righteous. He loves me. There's no one else like him on the earth. And the devil says, well, it's because you've blessed him. But if you would remove your hand of blessing away from Job's life, then he would curse you, God. He would turn his back on you. He wouldn't listen to you anymore. He would want nothing to do with you. Now, we're not told theologically why God allows this to happen, but God says, okay, you can test Job. And so the devil does. He takes his kids, and one day all of his kids are wiped out. They're killed. In one day, the same day, all of his possessions are taken away from him. This invading army comes and takes all of the camels, all of the sheep. Everything he owns is gone in one day. His body is physically struck, and, and he's got all of these boils and this disease over his body. And then we pick this up. Job has gone through one of the most devastating times in all of his life through losing family members that he loves, losing possessions, physical pain in his body. And we see how he responds to this pain. In Job chapter 1, verse 20, this is what it says. After this had happened, then Job arose and he tore his robe and he shaved his head and he fell on the ground and worshiped. That is not the response that I thought was going to happen. He tore his robe. He fell on the ground, shaved his head, and worshiped. And he said, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And then verse 22, in all this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. Now, I'm just, I'm imagining that, and I can't even imagine what that would be like in one moment. All of your kids, this messenger comes in and says, Job, your kids were eating dinner together, and this strong east wind came in, and it knocked the house down, and all of them are dead. 
And in that same moment, before that messenger can finish that sentence, another guy runs in and says, all of your possessions have been taken. Job, you had all of this great wealth and it's gone. You have nothing left. You're penniless at this moment. And then Job's body is physically struck with this disease. And in that moment, his response is not, God, what are you doing? His response is not, why me? His response is worship. Job draws near to God in his pain. And church, we need to understand that in those difficult moments, we need to draw near to God in the midst of your pain, in your pain that you would actually draw close to God. Job doesn't start saying, God, what are you doing? He bows down and he says, God, I worship you. God, you're in control. Job knew this statement right here. God does not cause our pain, but he is in control in the midst of our pain. So when you're going through difficulty, it's not God. He's not the one who's caused it, but he is in control in those moments. He's doing something in your life. We don't always understand it. Job didn't know why this was happening. He's asking God, what are you doing? Why, why is this taking place as you read through this story? But he bows down and he worships God. And so many times we want to point the finger at God. We want to lay the blame on God. And we need to stop and realize, hey, in this moment, God, I need to draw close to you. You didn't cause this pain, Lord, but you are in control of my life. You're in control of my situation. I heard one Christian author, and he put it like this. When pain and suffering come upon us, we finally see not only that we are not in control in that moment of our lives, but that we never were. Pain is that reminder that we don't control it all, that we're not God, that we don't have it all figured out. And Job was realizing that, and he drew near to God. God, you're the one that's in control. God, I don't understand it. I don't see how all of this is going to work out. I don't know why this happened, Lord, but you're the one who gives. You're the one who takes away. God, blessed be your name, Lord. I choose in this moment to worship you, God, that my eyes and my focus are upon you, Lord. Why? Because he knows that God is working. He can't see it all, but he knows that God is working. We know this in other areas of our life, right? Like we all love a good TV show, a good movie. But what is it about movies that make them so compelling? It's not that it's easy, church. It's not that that movie that everything goes picture perfect, that everything is right in that moment that makes it so easy. It's actually the difficulties and the trial. It's actually the adversity when the little hobbit has to take the ring and carry it through Mordor, carry it through the armies, go all the way and take that ring and drop it in the lava, right? It's that moment when Marlin is traveling all through the ocean and he's going and he's going and he's going, right? It's all of that difficulty, sharks and whales and everything. It's that build in the music. It's that build in the movie. And then there's the break. In all of those moments, they're powerful. What makes a great movie, it's so powerful, not because everything has gone perfect, but actually because of the difficulties. See, it means nothing when Frodo takes the ring and throws it in. If everything was easy, it's only so powerful because you know what he had to do to get there. It's so powerful when Marlin wraps his little fins around Nemo, right? Because you know everything. You know the distance that he had to go to get there. What makes a great story, what makes that moment of tribe so powerful is the adversity and the tension. When the guy gets the girl, it's that moment. Why? Because you see the betrayal, you see the hurt that eventually got him there. 
And church, it's like that in your story. It's like that in mine. It's actually the difficulty in our life that makes our story great. Church, you cannot get to spiritual maturity without spiritual growing pains. You cannot reach that place of spiritual maturity without not going through some things, without trials in your life. It's that difficulty. It's God using those opportunities to strengthen you, to stretch you, to increase your spiritual walk with God. Job knows that. God, you didn't cause my pain, but Lord, you're in control of it. So God, I choose in the midst of the trial. God, I choose in the midst of adversity. God, I choose to draw close to you, Lord. I'm not going to run away from you. I'm going to get close Job tears his clothes, and he bows down, and he worships God, and he says, blessed be the name of the Lord God. Your name is blessed. And so what do you choose to do? You're going to have pain in your story. You're going to have difficulty, church. Being a Christian and coming to church and walking with God does not ensure an easy life. A matter of fact, sometimes it seems like it's harder, but this is what we know, God, you're in control. God, you're doing something with the brokenness. You're doing something even with those painful moments. God, I realize that you're in control of this situation, God, so I choose to draw near to you. Job's not the only person that we learn from in this story. He actually has a group of friends that we're introduced to. There's three of them, Zophar, Eliphaz, and Bildad. And they come to Job whenever he's going through this, and we see another aspect of pain as we look at the conversation that he has with his friends. As a matter of fact, almost the entire book of Job, 30-some chapters, is this conversation with his friends. And I want to highlight one part of this conversation, and it's just one part. It continues to go on, this dialogue back and forth in Job chapter 4, verse 12. It's on page 238 in that Bible there. And they've come to what we assume comfort Job to be with Job in the midst of his loss, in the midst of his loss, and this is what Eliphaz says. Now a word was brought to me stealthily, and my ears received the whisper of it, amid thoughts from visions of the night when deep sleep falls on men. And this is the thought: Can mortal man be in the right before God? Can a man be pure before his maker? Even in his servants, he puts no trust. And God in his angels, he charges them with errors. How much more those who dwells in, in houses of clay, whose foundation is in the dust, who are crushed like the moth. And so I'm sitting here. These are three guys who have come to Job. And we're assuming they're there to encourage him, to comfort him, to be with him. And what is it that Eliphaz, what is it that Bildad and Zophar, what is it that they say over and over again as you read through these chapters in Job? Hey, Job, I know what's really going on. Yep, it was the middle of the night and I had this vision. God whispered to me. And I know what it is, Job. You fooled everyone else, but this is because of sin in your life. And this is God's punishment. And this is God's judgment. Yep, Job, you've really screwed up this time. And it's finally caught up with you. God's got your number, Job. And I'm looking at this. These friends that should be encouraging him. These friends that should be praying for him. That should be walking with him. You read chapter after chapter. Not just one dialogue. Page after page of these idiots talking and discouraging Job. And as I look at this, we draw near to God in the midst of our pain. Why? Because sometimes people are punks, you guys. Sometimes people around us, they're just jerks. They don't know what to say in the midst of our pain. They don't know what to say when we're hurting. And so many times we do it. We say the wrong things. We're just like Job's friends. 
And we're there, instead of encourage, we criticize. Instead of praying for them, we point a finger at them and say, yep, I knew it. It was eventually going to catch up with you. God's got your number. God did this on purpose to you. Now you're going to learn your lesson. Even Jesus' disciples, they made this mistake. In the New Testament, they're walking along and they see this blind guy who's struggling, who's um, struggling to make an income, struggling to get around. He's got limitations in his life. And, and the disciples look at Jesus and they say, hey, who sinned? Who was it that messed up Jesus? Was it this guy's sin? Was it his parents? Did they do something wrong? Who was it that God came after this guy? And Jesus said, no, you're getting it wrong. This isn't for that. It's not because of some sin he's committed in his life. God's actually going to use his limitations to bring glory to God. God's going to take this moment and he's going to redeem the difficulty to do something amazing. This wasn't a story of God getting back and God punishing mankind. This was God saying, hey, I can take your pain and I can use it for my glory. I can do something amazing with it if you'll simply surrender your life to me. And how many times... Instead of encouraging, instead of praying with people that are going through difficult times, we say the wrong words. And there was this old Jewish custom around the time that Job lived. It was just called sitting Shiva. And it was this practice that you would come, you wouldn't say anything. But when the person that was mourning, when they would cry, you would cry. And when they would remember some funny story and they would laugh, you would laugh. And you really wouldn't say a lot. You'd wrap your arms around that person and you would just be present day after day and you would let your words be few because you knew in that moment there weren't words. There weren't words to express what Job was going through, but Job's friends don't sit Shiva with them. They actually continue to talk. They open up their mouth and God eventually says, this is folly what you're saying. It's foolishness. What you're saying to condemn Job in this moment, you're supposed to be his friends to bring comfort to his life. And you guys, sometimes we as people, we're just punks. And the best thing that we can do when someone's going through pain is to just be quiet and be present. To just let them know we're here for you. I'm praying for you. I'm encouraging you. Second Corinthians chapter 1 verse 3 says it like this, the God of all comfort. I want you to get that because you're going to go through pain in your life. And who is it that you serve? He is the God of all comfort. Say that with me. Who is he? He is the God of all comfort. This is the God of all comfort. And Paul, as he's writing to the church in Corinth, he said, you're going to go through problems. But the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our troubles and also so that we could comfort those in trouble with the comfort that we ourselves received. Paul's reminding the church, you're going to go through problems, but God's comforted you. And in those moments of crisis that you see around you, other people are hurting, you actually bring the comfort of God to others. Not criticism, not condemnation, not sitting there telling them, well, you messed up and this is God's judgment. No, we bring comfort in that moment because that's what God has done to us. And Job's friends, they miss it when he's in pain and they're punks. They cause further damage. Instead of helping Job draw near to God, they actually try to push him further and further away. And it's sad, church, when we see this, when we see national disasters and people that call themselves Christian leader, and in the time of hurt and in the time of pain, they stand up on national television and they say, well, this is because of sin. And we look in Scripture and we say, no, that's, that's the time where we as the church, we're the hands 
and feet of Jesus, where we wrap our arms around people that are hurting, where we wrap our arms around people that are crying. It's in those moments that we show the love of Christ. And that's where Job's friends missed it. We draw near to God. We encourage others to draw near to God in the midst of their pain. The last person that we see in this story, it's a great reminder that the main character is not Job. The story is not just about Job. He's not the main one. The main character in the story all throughout the Bible is God. And in Job chapter 9, we see this powerful picture that Job is praying, and we understand God's response now. Looking back, Job chapter 9, verse 30, Job is praying, and this is what he says on page 240 of the Bible there in front of you. If I wash myself with snow and I cleanse my hands with lye, yet you will plunge me into a pit and my own clothes will abhor me. For God, you are not a man as I am that I might answer you and that we should come to trial together. There is no arbitrator between us, God, who might lay his hands on both of us. And I look at this powerful statement. What's Job saying? He's like, God, if I'm honest, ultimately, it may be my sin in my own life, God, that's causing this pain. God, I realize we're different from each other, Lord. And even if I'm as good as I think I can be good, and I try to do as much right, God. If I'm honest, I'm not like you. You're righteous, and I'm not. God, you're justified in all of your judgments against me. But then he goes on to pray this. Not, God, remove the pain from my life. Not, God, this has hurt long enough, so get me out of this trouble, God, and let some sunshine finally come in my life. What's his prayer? God, I wish this relationship could be restored. God, I sense this brokenness in our relationship, and I just wish there was some way we could be back close together, God. I wish that I could somehow feel feel near to you in this life. Job is crying out, God, I want this right relationship. I wish there was someone to take their hand and place it on God's shoulder and take their hand and place it on my shoulder and somehow bring us back together because there's this distance, God. I'm not like you. I'm this sinful, broken man, and you are this righteous Holy God, I wish there was an arbitrator between us. See, what Job was crying out is in this moment of pain, I want to draw near to God, Lord, because I know that you want to draw near to me. See, Job was praying something he didn't even fully realize. He was praying what God's plan was all along, ever since the moment in the garden where sin entered the world and we broke our relationship with God. Job was crying out, and God set a plan in action all the way back in Genesis in the first few chapters when he said, I'm going to send a son. I'm going to send my son, and he's going to crush death. He's going to crush pain. He's going to restore this brokenness that man has allowed to enter into the world. See, that's what God did in the midst of your pain. Where is God at? He's right in the middle of it. This is not a God from heaven that's sitting back at some distance. This is the God who's wrapped himself in flesh. I love how this Christian pastor said it, who's a pastor in Las Vegas. He said it like this. The Bible doesn't sugarcoat pain and suffering. It gives you something to move past it. It gives this picture of Jesus, not that life is going to be easy, but that God draws close in the midst of our pain. See, God draws close in those moments. God has wrapped himself in flesh, and he came to live among us. You've experienced loss, yet Jesus stood outside of his best friend's grave and wept for the loss of life that he experienced. You've gone through pain and hurt, yet Jesus took every sinful act 
Every abuse that's ever been committed to anyone, every mass shooting, every guilt, every bit of shame, every sexual immoral act, every wrong deed, every lie that you've told, every time you've betrayed someone, every hurt and pain that's ever been committed. And Jesus took that upon himself. See, God isn't distancing himself from your pain and from my pain. He's right in the middle of it. He walks through it with us. You want to know why we draw near to God in the midst of our pain? It's because he's drawing near to us. Church, he's getting close to you. It's like what Job was crying out for. And Jesus steps in the middle and said, okay, I'll bridge the relationship between God and between the brokenness of man. And I'll restore what man has done. I'll restore what sin has entered into the world to do to bring death and destruction. And I'll bring restoration and healing. See, God works in the midst of our pain. God works in the midst of our difficulties. Romans 8, chapter or verse 18 says it like this. Paul is talking to the church in Rome, and he says, the pain that you've been through, what you've gone through, it can't even compare with the joy that is yet to come. And that's what Jesus does, church. He steps in the middle of your life and in the middle of mine, in the middle of your painful divorce, in the middle of your addictions that are destroying your life, in the middle of abuse that's been placed upon you that you didn't ask for and that you didn't invite in your life, hurt that you've experienced, God chooses to step into the middle of that and bring restoration. God's working on your behalf. And it's this beautiful picture in Job chapter 42, verse 10, as we come to the end of this story and God has had this dialogue with Job and reminded Job, I'm in control, Job. I'm taking care of this, Job. I'm looking at your life. I'm doing something even in the midst of the hurt. Job, I'm orchestrating all of this to bring about the best that I have for you. And in Job 42, it says this, the Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he had prayed for his friends The Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. See, sometimes you're going to walk through pain and you're not going to know why. And God's going to say, I've got something better on the other side. I'm going to strengthen you in the midst of the process. You're going to go through trials. It's going to hurt in the middle of it, but I'm going to make you stronger. And what I'm going to do in your life is going to bring blessing to you And it's going to bring blessing to others. It's going to be a testimony of my goodness and my faithfulness to the world around me that's broken. Church, we draw near to God in our pain. In the midst of the hurt of our life, we draw near to God. We realize he doesn't cause our pain, but he is in control of our life. He's orchestrating every step that you're walking. We draw near to God because people are broken. Sometimes they're punks. Sometimes they're going to say the wrong thing, and and we need to be people that help others, that bring comfort to others that are walking through that. We draw near to God in our pain. Why? Because God's drawing near to us. Because his desire is to be close to us. His plan all along for thousands and thousands of years is, I want to be near to my creation again. Sin has separated that, but I want to be close to my people. And I want to pray for us this morning. I'm going to ask if you would bow your head and close your eyes this morning. And you may be here and you may be walking through painful moments. 
And if you were honest, it may be pain that you've caused in your life. It may be sin, wrong choices, things that you've done to hurt other people that have hurt yourself as well. And this morning, you're realizing, I can't fix that on my own. Like Job, even if I try to be good, God, I'm not good. I'm not like you. You're righteous. And this morning, this isn't a God up in heaven looking down, waiting to judge you or trying to punish you. This is a God that has come so he can restore that broken relationship. I just want to ask if there's anyone in the room and you know that and this morning you would say, I need to make my relationship with God right. And if that's you in just one moment, when I ask you, I'm going to ask you to stand up and to come forward. I want to pray with you that God would give you that brand new start. Job was right. There's nothing we can do to fix it on our own. We've all sinned. We've all messed up. We've all been a part of pain entering into the world. We can't fix it on our own, but God has sent his son. Jesus came and gave his life on the cross for you and for me so that once again, we could be restored back into a right relationship with God. I just want to ask if there's anyone in the room this morning, you would say, Aaron, that's me. Just stand up right where you're at and come forward. Anyone at all, I'll wait just one moment. If you're hearing God is speaking to you, you feel that tug on your heart, I want you to respond. I'm believing that a brand new start in your life. Church, I'm going to ask you to all pray this prayer after me. Repeat this after me, whether you're saying it for the first time or whether you've prayed it before. Jesus, I come to you and I realize I'm broken and I need you in my life. I need a fresh start. So come and bring forgiveness. Be the Savior of my life. Be the Lord of my life. Take my pain and turn it around for your glory. I pray this in your name. Amen. Church, can we put our hands together and celebrate? And while they're taking a moment and praying, I'm just, I want to pray for all of us this morning. And you may be here and you may be going through something. And God's here. He's close to you even in the midst of that trial, even in the midst of that difficulty. You may be here and you may know someone else and God wants to use you to bring comfort and to help them draw close to God. So let me pray for us this morning that God would take these powerful words and use them in our life. Lord, we come before you, God. And we realize what your word says, God, there's going to be difficulty, there's going to be trials, Lord, but you have overcome, God, and you've made us victorious. And so I pray that, Lord, people that are walking through painful moments, that are walking through difficulties, God, that don't have the answers, Lord, of, of why this is going on, Lord, you're present there. Let them feel that your spirit is close, God. Embrace them, draw near to God in the midst of their pain, Lord. I pray that this morning. For those of us that know others, Lord, I pray help us to be that comfort, God. Lord, not to be a voice of criticism, but Lord, to pray for them and to draw them near to you, God, because you draw near to us. We pray this in your name. Amen.